Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Pre-Stream Podcast. Today is Tuesday, the 4th of January, 2022. I'm Darkside Phil, and I welcome you here to my final consecutive streaming day of the week. But ladies and gentlemen, I welcome you to a very, very special stream. Because ladies and gentlemen, this is my year-end series. Yes! Once a year, we sit down and we review everything that came out the year before. We look at the good, we look at the bad, we look at the outstanding gaming experiences, and we look at the most disappointing ones. And we count them down, right? It's a good, a good fun time that I've done every single year since I started as a content creator way back when in 2008. That is right. Do the math. That's like... 40 or 50 years that I've been doing this. And <clears throat> it's actually one of my favorite times because when we do this, it kind of feels like we're officially pushing forward and moving into the new year. And this year, I actually get to do this at the right time. And what I mean by that is last few years, I always seemed to have a crazy long lingering playthrough that made it that I, I just couldn't do it right away. Last year, do you remember Assassin's Creed Valhalla? The game that would never end, and I ended up playing it all the way through January. The year-end series weren't until February of last year. And that's just no way to do it. Just being honest, the best way to do a Game of the Year Awards countdown or a Most Disappointing Games countdown is to do it right at the beginning of the new year so then you can move fresh into new games, new playthroughs, and all kinds of new stuff. So I'm very excited to be doing this with all of you today live on stream. I am a full-time streamer now, so as you know, I used to do this as an on-demand series on YouTube many years ago, where each part, or each each installment, each count, countdown number would be its own video of like five minutes. Uh, I don't do that anymore. Now, <clears throat> I'm a more long-form content creator, meaning what you'll see today is essentially three videos. The pre-stream podcast, which we're doing right now, the most disappointing games countdown, and the Game of the Year Awards three videos for this entire stream, okay? And that's actually how I'm going to separate up the segments of this stream um, for the live stream as well as YouTube, all right? We're going to do the pre-stream podcast right now. Then we're going to transition over to the most disappointing games countdown. Then we're going to take a break. Then we're going to come back and do the Game of the Year Awards. Just to give you guys a little bit of a preview, um, most disappointing games of the year, only about seven this year to count down. And you might say, well, wait a minute. Why is that so? Because you said earlier on in 2021 that there was like almost no good games. Everything was disappointing. And it's kind of weird you only have seven. Usually your disappointing games countdown is, is very lengthy. As you guys know, I have basically transitioned and changed a little bit as a content creator. In the year of 2021, I focused way more on picking and choosing the games that I felt were actually going to be good content for the streams. Meaning, if there was a game that... I figured wasn't going to be that good. I usually skipped it. Uh, just take a look at some of the situations we have. For example, Call of Duty Vanguard, uh, Battlefield 2042, and Halo Infinite all coming out within a two-week span. So I only played Halo Infinite. You see? That's kind of the situations that I did last year. Is I said, man, with the limited time I have on stream to play games and the limited amount of funds that I have to financially be able to afford games, I need to pick the best ones. So with that being said, um, there was way less times when I played a game that would be considered kind of shitty or disappointing. 
So that countdown is going to be on the shorter side. On the flip side of that, in the long span of the year of 2021, where the first half of the year was very, very kind of disappointing with the games that came out, the second half of the year was incredibly jam-packed with really good games to the point where I have more than 10 this year. Usually, usually, I would do like 10 and maybe an honorable mention or two. This year, I've got more than 10 to do in the in the, the best games of the year countdown because there's so many good games in 2021, okay? So, that's what we're doing now. Just so you guys know, the pre-stream podcast today will be a little bit special, and here's why. We're going to go through our usual stuff where I'm going to go through the schedule and everything so you guys know what to expect for the rest of this week, streaming-wise and the like. But then, uh, we are going to go down memory lane and go through the playthroughs that I played in 2021. I'm actually going to have the, the list of playthroughs right here on my screen, and I'm going to outline the best ones. And what I mean by that is not the best games, I mean the best overall playthroughs, Okay. That means it could be anything. It could be a game from 2021, a game from 2022. It could be an older game that was a retro game that I played as a playthrough. I kind of want to go down that list because I'll be honest with you, there was a lot of games I played in 2021 that weren't new releases that were still great. And being that I'm a variety content creator and streamer, um, I do a lot of that kind of stuff. And I think that that stuff should have a chance to be highlighted, despite the fact that it's not necessarily a game of the year contender. Um, people might want to know, gee, what did Phil do last year that was really good that I might want to check on demand later? And this is a great way to, to know that, okay? Awesome. All right, but ladies and gentlemen, before we get to any of that, a few quick things. First of all, yesterday was a big day. Yesterday, I made a major announcement right here on the podcast. I retired officially the King of Hate moniker that I had been associated with since the early 2000s in the Street Fighter community and all through my YouTube career up to this point. Stating that I don't feel it applies anymore. Too many people have misrepresented what it means. To the point where I don't think it really applies to me anymore in any way, shape, or form. And uh, I wanted to move on positively. Especially now that I've become a full-time YouTuber again. And I'm full force moving forward with content here on DSP Gaming. Why would I want to associate myself with something like that that could sound negative, could be spin spun in a negative way? And in addition to that. Yesterday was a big day because I retired the King of Hate Vlogs. That is my long-standing vlogging channel that I set up in 2012 as a place where I was going to be doing all kinds of vlogging-style videos, including the Weekend Preview, Release Day Unboxing, both of which have been retired many, many years ago, uh, ongoing series like DSP Tries and Ask the King, and of course the new series that I just started last year, Feasting with the King, were all exclusively featured over there. <clears throat> but now, why separate my content why make it that i have a channel over here that i i upload to once every few months and almost no one notices and then a channel here where i upload daily why am i separating the content if you guys remember way back in the day the reason that i originally separated my content to separate channels was because number one you couldn't monetize gameplay content at all so i needed to have a separate channel i could monetize to try to make a living doing this but number two the fact that I uploaded so much in one day, because back then the video clips were limited to being much shorter. When you were uploading videos to YouTube, the most you could upload was like 10, 11 minutes. And then later on, they changed it to like 15 minutes. So in a day, me putting out, you know, six hours of gameplay, sometimes I'd be uploading, no exaggeration, 
30, 40 videos in one day to DSP Gaming. And people were like, dude, if you're going to also upload vlogs and other stuff, that shit will all get lost in the shuffle. We'll never find it. So that's why I diversified my content and split it apart into separate channels. At one point, I even had a channel for Street Fighter stuff exclusively. But now, we are so different um, <clears throat> today as, as a group, as a community, right? I mean... I don't flood you guys with a million videos anymore. My videos are long form. They're all about an hour long, if not longer, each, right? Um, and I'm really trying to build up DSP Gaming in a big way. This year, the year 2022, I'm going to focus exclusively on making content for this channel, whether it's live streams or the archived videos, and pushing to try to grow DSP Gaming, build it back to prominence, and make it so that DSP Gaming can be found legitimately in YouTube search results again for games. DSP Gaming, you guys may not realize this, at one time was one of the most prominent YouTube gaming channels. Whenever a new game came out, you would type in, oh, I want to see someone doing a walkthrough or a playthrough or a let's play of, I don't know, Infamous 2. And DSP Gaming would show up on the first page of YouTube search results as someone doing an ongoing playthrough. Go check it out. You can't, okay? It was huge. I used to get so many viewers just off of YouTube search rankings. That every fall, when it was the busy gaming season, all the new games would come out, DSP Gaming would be doubled in views. It was insane, okay? Now I literally get none of that. None of it. Um, reason being, many years ago, malicious things were done to this channel, including a lot of false copyright strikes. I was forced to remove a bunch of videos from the channel per the instructions of YouTube. They're the ones who told me to do it. Uh, to try to protect the channel and stop it from being automat automatically shut down by false copyright strikes. <clears throat> Which is all well and good. It worked. I stopped the channel from being shut down by the false strikes. But it irrevocably damaged the channel. It tossed DSP Gaming from being prominent into obscurity. People would search for DSP Gaming and nothing would happen. Or, you know, people, the new playthroughs out doesn't show up in any of the pages of people who were playing the game. It just it basically treated the channel like I'd done something wrong when I never had. Um, what ended up happening over the years is that the negative content about me and my channel ended up getting prominence because those channels weren't removed from YouTube search rankings. Mine was. So here we are. I'm putting out playthroughs of the hottest new games, streams of the hottest new games. You can't find any of it on YouTube. But the asshole who made a video about how Phil sucks at that particular game is getting prominence when people search for me. You see? And this is, this is very, very painful and bad in regards to someone who's operating a business to not have visibility on YouTube when this is how I was making my living. It, it killed me. It's one of the major reasons why in 2017 I had to stop being a full-time YouTuber and adopt being a full-time streamer, okay? Um, not to say that that was a bad decision or something I regret. Oh my God, it was the best decision ever because now my content is better than ever and we have such great, fun, interactive streams with each other every single day, right? But anyway... The point I'm making here is why would I want to separate my content on YouTube when I am trying to get people refocused on DSP Gaming, get people to sub to the channel. My goal is to hit 200,000 subs by the first week of April so I can do a celebration of not only hitting my milestone but also my birthday at the same time, which would be amazing, um, but also to get re-engagement in the channel. If you're watching this live stream right now and you're having a great time, you're like, wow, this is going to be a fun stream today. I can't wait for Phil's year-end series. Give the stream a like. That gives visibility to DSP Gaming on YouTube. People will be like, oh, someone's doing year-end series? Oh, cool. DSP, let me go check them out. They'll be able to see that on YouTube. I won't be hidden off in some dark corner of the internet. Okay? If 
you are watching this video on demand on YouTube. Thanks. Thanks for watching after the fact. Please give it a like. That makes this discoverable when people are doing YouTube search after the fact. Okay? Leave a comment. And this is actually one of the biggest things for my year-end series. Okay? Undoubtedly, people who are watching these year-end series after the fact are going to have a lot to say about them. Oh, man. I, that was a good pick by Phil. I didn't even think of that one myself. Or, oh, man, I completely agree with Phil. These are great picks. Or, wow, Phil was completely off base. He's an idiot. Those picks sucked ass. I want that kind of reaction to the video. That's the point, is to stir up interesting discussion about the games that were part of 2021. When I had comments off for several years, right, what was the point? If you can't stir up discussion about it, then the year-end series pretty much lose a lot of their meaning, you see? Now that's back. That is back for the first time in like five years here on DSP Gaming, right? So that's awesome. Now, having likes be visible, having comments be on videos, why would I now separate my content? <laughs> the other thing is, because I'm not uploading so many videos to DSP Gaming, there's no reason why the 20-so thousand people, I think it's like 29,000 people who are subscribed over on the King of Hate Vlogs, why some of them can't come over here and sub and still get access to all the content they used to like. Because the truth of the matter is, people over there basically were kind of, you know, uh, stagnant. That channel was dead, right? There's, I wasn't actively doing stuff over on the King of Hate vlogs. That channel would sit there for two, three months untouched, and all of a sudden a new video would pop up. And maybe like 500 people would watch it. You see, like, it was de a dead channel. When you can't even get a thousand views on a, on a, on a video anymore, uh... Uh, of a series that used to get like 10,000 views, that's obviously means the channel's dead. So I figured it makes more sense to bring everything over here and focus everything on DSP Gaming. And by the way, no, I'm not closing that channel. The King of Hate Vlogs will stay there as an archive of the eight... To I think I opened it in 2012. So it's basically about 10 years of archived footage of vlogging that I did. It's a history of stuff that I've done on the internet. It's awesome to stay there. And I... Welcome you to go check out that archive of the stuff. But from now on, stuff like DSP Tries It, Ask the King, Feasting with the King, etc. will be here on DSP Gaming. Okay? It won't flood the channel because the day that I make that content means it's a day I'm not doing gameplay, right? Today, this stream will be three videos. That's not going to flood anyone's inboxes. So, awesome. Okay. Very nice, everyone. So, um, before we get to a little bit of reminiscing about the best, or uh, yeah, the best playthroughs of 2021. What I would like to briefly do is, number one, uh, talk about the schedule for the coming week, and then talk about a few things that were updated for the new month, and then I'd like to get to that countdown. Well, not really countdown, but that, that segment, okay? So this week will be an interesting one. Obviously, this stream right here is my year-end awards, but we're going to go through the best playthroughs, the most disappointing games, and the Game of the Year awards. Awesome. If you support this stream, thank you in advance. There's no going to be any real gameplay on this stream, although I will be showing gameplay clips of the games I'm talking about. There's not going to be any active gameplay, but it's still a normal stream for me. So, <clears throat> if you support it, yes, I'm still going to do shout-outs for your contributions on the stream today. Um, we still have tip goals in effect. You know, gunner glasses, pick a hat, pick a vest if we hit the incremental tips goals during today's stream. Thank you in advance to anyone who supports it. I know it's a different kind of stream. It's not going to have high levels of active interactivity as if I were playing a game. At the very same time, I appreciate everyone who does support this because I do it once a year and I love doing it, okay? Later tonight, there will be a normal gameplay stream. Halo Infinite Multiplayer at 6.45 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Two hours of multiplayer action tonight. 
I'm excited uh, to jump in again. And hopefully, hopefully what I would say is I feel like the connections hopefully will be a little better. When I played it over the weekend, the connections were a little wonky. Some some cases, you know, me teleporting through enemies and stuff. I hope that doesn't happen tonight, but I guess we'll see. I'm still really enjoying actively playing it, and this is my second session of the week. I'm actually getting to play Halo twice a week now. Awesome. So I hope you'll join me for that tonight. Tomorrow I'm off from streaming. It's my, my day off for the week, uh, where I'll be doing grocery shopping, uh, going to the fucking garbage dump, because the garbage people didn't come this week because there were two inches of snow on the ground. I'm not going to get into that again. Just watch. You can watch the pre-stream podcast from a few days ago if you want the explanation on that nonsense here in Washington State. Um, and doing other stuff. I'll be back on Thursday. Here's the deal for the week. We got an interesting mix because the daytime streams will be ongoing major playthroughs, while the night streams will be a very good variety of stuff that's not just the same old stuff anymore, okay? So on Thursday when I return, it's the continuation of GTA 3 Definitive Edition. Will I beat it or not? I don't know. I, from what I'm being told... I basically have about eight main story missions left, but there's definitely other content left to do in the game. So maybe I'll beat it, maybe I won't. We'll all see how it goes on Thursday. Thursday night, I'm doing a special Game Pass exploration stream where for the first time since the late summer of 2021, we're going to go into the Game Pass section of the Xbox Series X. We're going to explore the games that have been added in the last like three, four months and see what ones are interesting and see what ones you guys might want to see me play. Pick out a few. Probably download a bunch of them and uh, set it up for me to play some of them in the future. If we have time, maybe I'll even will download live and play a few of them. But the thing is, downloading the games live could take a while when I'm streaming, you see. <laughs> but it should still be a pretty interesting stream to set me up for more games coming up in January. Then on Friday, the main gameplay stream will be the continuation of Resident Evil 4, which as you know, whew, has been a hell of an experience recently. That hedge maze was a crazy grind of death but i got through it more resident evil 4 on friday and then friday night my weekly throwback session of old school street fighter fun which i very much enjoy doing okay and then on saturday it'll be the continuation of skyrim anniversary edition and that'll be paired with halo infinite multiplayer now here's where it gets interesting the next few days of the week the night streams will be a little different one of those nights i'm going to do a late night stream of lost judgment where we do post-game content. We're going to be exploring all the side content that opened up now that I beat Lost Judgment last night. And I'm interested to see if anything new opened up, because I was told some new stuff will open up. But also there's other missions like the, the squirrel investigations and things to do. So there's plenty more to do as a chill stream once a week. We're going to do that. Uh, one night, I am actually planning on going back to Condemned Criminal Origins, the playthrough that I started on Halloween. You guys really seem to enjoy it when I played it for about three and a half hours. And wanted me to go back to it. Of course, I've been so busy with new releases the past couple of months, I didn't get a chance. Now I'll finally get a chance to start that up. Um, so, good variety of stuff coming up in the week ahead. I don't exactly know yet when my day off will be, but I will let you know as soon as I know. Okay, because I don't know yet, but I'll, I'll know hopefully within the next few days. Um, okay, the only other thing I really want to talk about before we get to reminiscing a little bit about the best playthroughs that I did last year is I would like to direct your attention right down here to the member's goal for January. Last few days, we've all been mulling about what the member's goal should be for January. And, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, we were talking back and forth about it. I think I have an idea of what I would like to do. Okay, I think I have an idea. Here's what I'm thinking. And you can say, oh, this is a bad idea or whatever. Or you can say, oh, I like the idea. I think we should do 
the second ever Game Pass Marathon. And here's what I mean by that. Just this week, I'm going to do a special late night stream where we're going to sit down and we're going to look at Game Pass and we're going to see what games are on there. I guarantee you we're going to pick like five to ten games for me to take a look at eventually in the long term. Okay? If we hit the members goal for the month, we can do a Game Pass Marathon day where we actually go and play a bunch of those games from Game Pass, maybe for like an hour, hour and a half each, and basically get a good flavor <clears throat> for what those games are. Now, based on how those go, some of those games might be really good. Oh, wow, I hope we'll play those as full playthroughs in the future. And others might be like, eh, they're okay, but maybe not right now. And in other cases, maybe I can actually take some time to try to continue on with games that I did try in the last Game Pass Marathon, but just never panned out. For example... Someone literally just said in the stream chat, System32 said, what about Grounded again? Yeah, remember Grounded? That seems like a pretty good game. An open world exploration and survival game where you've been shrunken down to the size of an insect. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you're trying to survive in your own yard. Like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids the movie, right? Um, I played it for around an hour, I would say. And I literally liked it. And I never had a chance to go back to it since last summer. So maybe you have a chance to play a game like that again and re-explore it and see what content's been added because a game like that has been actively updated since last summer. Uh, right, my ruin says, what about Serious Sam 4? Exactly. These are the kind of things we can sit down and look and play some of them during a Game Pass marathon and get a good exposure to the stuff that's on Game Pass. People really liked when I did the Game Pass marathon last summer. So I think this is actually a good idea for a reward for the month of January. But the only way it can happen is if people become members of the channel. All right, so let's talk a little bit about that. <clears throat> when you become a channel member of DSP Gaming, you get many benefits. A highlighted name in the stream chat, okay? You don't have to abide by the slow mode rules of the stream chat. You can talk as much as you want. You get a chat crown badge to show how long you've been a, a supporter of this channel. You get emotes unlocked, all right, where you can access tons of these emotes. When we hit 350, I'll unlock another emote slot. And by the way, one thing that we definitely need to talk about is we need to discuss um, <clears throat> what emote do you guys want to replace the Santa emote? Because for the month of December, we had a Santa emote, which was nice. Now December's over. we got to replace it. But what emote are you guys looking for from the old emotes I used to have on Twitch and what we can likely do in the near future on a pre-stream podcast, likely, is talk about those emotes that I still have that I could replace the Santa emote with, okay? So, <clears throat> those are just some of the benefits. In addition, new benefits that were added just over the last month or two. Uh, priority access to Ask the King. And what I mean by that is I do a Q&A show every two to three months. The next episode is actually scheduled for the first week of March. Okay? You get to ask your questions and have a dramatically increased chance to have your question answered on the show. In fact, when I just did Ask the King on Christmas Eve, I want to say at least one-third of the questions I answered on the show were from channel members. A third. That's a giant amount, right? That's a huge priority. So, there you go. <clears throat> In addition to that, uh, when there are special events going on where basically you can pick a game to be played or whatever, you will have priority to nominate and vote on said games. I mean, we just did a Christmas marathon, and the members had priority to nominate and vote on a game that I played. The game The Forest was picked by channel members. Okay? There you go. Now, in addition to all of that, yes, I am still planning at some point, to do members-only exclusive events, such as, oh, let's do a members-only night stream of Halo Infinite tonight multiplayer, where I, I team up with them in a fire team and stuff like that. It hasn't happened yet, and it's not happening tonight. But once I settle into this to January, and I start actually regularly doing double streams of Halo a week, 
maybe one stream could be with members, you see? So I'm working on that. You got to give me a little time now. I got to settle into January, get used to the flow of things. Maybe around the middle of January, we could actually start doing streams like that, all right? But anyway, that's a lot of benefits to being a channel member. Now, there's something else happening this year. YouTube promised everyone in 2021 that at some point in 2022, they would enable gifted memberships here on YouTube. Much like gifting subscriptions over on Twitch, what this means is that people would be able to purchase and gift a membership to someone else who doesn't have one on YouTube. Now, it's unclear how this will work. On Twitch, the way they do it is you can either do it individually for a person or you can actually do what's called a sub bomb where you can purchase a mass of subs and they're just randomly distributed to stream viewers. It's unclear if that's how it's going to work here on YouTube. All right. And some people were like, oh, this is amazing. This will be great for Phil because back on Twitch, he used to always have a giant amount of gifted subs. You're right. Every month, I would have anywhere from 100 to upwards of 300 gifted subscriptions against the channel. That would help tremendously. And one of the major awesome things about gifted subscriptions and or gifted memberships here on YouTube, you're basically getting a trial run of something that you maybe didn't know what it was or if it would benefit you. If you get a trial run of it and you like it, chances are you may renew it. In which case, even though that was temporary boost in support because someone purchased it on behalf of someone else, it may actually result in ongoing growth for the channel. It absolutely, over time, resulted in ongoing growth of my Twitch channel. And I would actually bet that here on YouTube, it could also result in some really ongoing growth, okay? But, guess what? It's not enabled yet. Which I was afraid of. I was, af I was afraid that YouTube would make all these promises, and then we would start 2022, and none of the promises that they made would be given yet and it's true they just they haven't come through yet here we are the 4th of january nothing has changed no improvements um no updates from youtube on when those things will be coming they claim this it could literally be december 31st 2022 they could implement them you know because they didn't commit to anything so even though these positive changes are coming please don't rely on them don't expect them sooner rather than later i'll be ecstatic when they do if they ever come but i'm not like I don't have my fingers crossed, my arms crossed, my legs and toes crossed, expecting that all of it's actually going to happen right away. I actually am more skeptical that YouTube will drag their feet with these kind of changes that they promised, okay? So, <clears throat> thank you in advance to anyone who becomes a channel member. Please consider becoming a channel member uh, for all the benefits that I've outlined, and the goal would be a Game Pass Marathon, which I would very much enjoy doing, okay? All right. Now, we're going to head into our reminiscing segment, but give me a second here because it looks like the sun went away, so I'd like to actually open the blinds in the office, get some natural air and uh, natural light in here. <clears throat> All right. Nice. Some nice natural light, you know, from the sun. Actually, it's very cloudy outside, but it's nice, natural lighting, so I wanted to get some. Ah, it's good to have the fresh air coming in, too. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, something's backing up outside. Ladies and gentlemen, what I would like to do right now for the rest of the pre-stream podcast is kind of go through the listing of playthroughs and games that I did in 2021 and let you know my personal favorites, all right? So, let's start off 
with the games that I was playing in January of 2021, a full year ago, which many of you may not even realize or remember. Um, the first major release that actually came out in 2021 was Hitman 3, okay? A game that a lot of people don't even remember came out in 2021 because it came out right away, like right that first week or month or whatever of the year. And, oh, excuse me. A lot of people liked it, although a lot of people find found it a little bit, uh, what's the word? Is it divisive? Or Basically, people didn't really agree. I was one of the people who liked certain things about the game and definitely didn't like certain things about the game. Um, let me put it this way. I didn't hate it at all. I definitely thought it was a good outing for the Hitman series, but I actually thought that Hitman 2 was way better. So for me, it was kind of like, meh. And, and after I played through the game, I completely forgot about it. Like I didn't, even, I didn't even give it a second thought after I played it. It was just kind of forgettable, which is kind of weird because it was supposed to be the ending of this trilogy, and I basically forgot that it even existed. Um, Destruction All-Stars, definitely not one of the best playthroughs of 2021. Uh, I actually did my Cyberpunk 2077 playthrough finished that first week of January. Obviously, that's not one of the best games or best playthroughs of the year. The playthrough that was like the giant playthrough that actually, if you guys remember, held me up from doing my year-end series last year was Assassin's Creed Valhalla. All right? That game was so freaking long. One of the longest games I had ever played at that time in the Assassin's Creed series. 81 parts. Yeah, longer, if you can believe this, Assassin's Creed, was it this on my forehead, a pimple or something? Looks like, I don't know. <laughs> Assassin's Creed Valhalla was longer of a playthrough than my Lost Judgment playthrough that I just finished last night. The game was insane. I don't know what they were thinking, making the game that lengthy. And by the way, it wasn't just like, oh, um... You know, that's because you did a bunch of side content. No, the game forced you to do so much shit to beat it that it took forever. I couldn't believe it. I mean, yeah, I could have definitely, I could have skipped um, the segments about the uh, Valhalla where you, you know, you're playing like the, the story of uh, the Norse gods or whatever, but then you actually miss critical plot points that you would have needed to know to understand the ending of the game. So, oh my god, that playthrough took so effing long, man. It was just nuts. Um, one of my, Actually, one of my favorite playthroughs of 2021 that pretty much no one has talked about since I played it, Immortals Phoenix Rising. This is a game that I, I actually want to give a shout-out to because I don't feel like many people gave it any kind of credit. This is a game from Ubisoft. And number one, oh, it's from Ubisoft, so it sucks, right? No, that's ridiculous. Just because Ubisoft sometimes makes pretty bad games and sometimes makes the same kind of cookie-cutter formula games with open-world roaming doesn't mean that everything Ubisoft pumps out is bad. In the case of Immortals Phoenix Rising, it was a game that actually felt like it had a unique identity, which is very different from a lot of other Ubisoft games that do feel like they're more cut-and-paste. Um, I felt the writing of Immortals Phoenix Rising actually was very entertaining. Um, the way that the dialogue was done was very comical. The characters had personality to them. And the colorful art style of the game, which was more cartoony rather than more gritty and serious like most Ubisoft games, was also a welcome uh, change. Um, in addition to all of that, 
It had a lot of fun stuff. Like, it was a combination of puzzles and dungeon crawling combined with combat elements that were fun and actually got better as you got through the game and leveled up your character. So, Immortals Phoenix Rising, I feel like, is the forgotten gem. If you remember, it had come out late in 2020, and then a lot of people skipped it because there were other more prominent games that had come out around that time. And so I played it in early 2021, and I actually really liked it. Like, significantly shocked at how good it was. But a lot of people have forgotten about the game entirely. So I wanted to give a little bit of credit here on the pre-stream today. Um, <clears throat> of course, everyone remembers my game of the year of last year, Yakuza 7 Like a Dragon. A playthrough that was 102 parts. Although a lot of those parts are post-game content where I did post-game dungeon grinding. Um, great game. I mean, obviously my favorite game of the year last year. or last year. Uh, but a lot of that playthrough spilled over into 2021 because of the post-game content, and I really enjoyed it, okay? Um, let's see here. Bowser's Fury was a nice little playthrough. Uh, even though it's not a full-fledged game, it definitely showed what you could do with a different kind of formula for Mario. And it basically took the Super Mario Odyssey formula and added in a giant kaiju monster and different levels of puzzle and stuff. It was actually quite interesting and unique, and I actually really enjoyed Bowser's Fury, although it's hard to really talk about it at length because it's so short. It's basically like an idea of a game that maybe in the future will be turned into a full-fledged game. Because in reality, the game you bought when you bought Bowser's Fury was actually Super Mario 3D World, which was actually one of my first major playthroughs of 2021. Now, <clears throat> Super Mario 3D World is a great game. Super Mario 3D World was very fun to play through, and I don't remember it. I'm serious. Like, the problem with that whole 3D era of Mario games, the ones that came out for the Wii and the Wii U and the 3DS, is that they all came out in a cluster of about five years. And so when all of those games came out together, back to back to back, they all kind of mishmashed in my head. I remember playing some of them on a handheld and some of them with the Wii or the Wii, Wii U. Some of them I did co-op with John Rambo, but others I did solo. And when I'm trying to remember them, it's hard for me to even discern between them, like, what was part of which one. You know what I'm saying? And, like, I remember I remember playing the game and liking it. And, like, wow, this is fun. I'm glad I'm playing it again. But, man, I tell you right now, I can't remember it. I just played it a year ago, not even, and I can't remember the game. I feel like this was a major problem with Nintendo is they went crazy with Mario for a few years there, and they oversaturated everyone with Mario games and reimaginings of the classic Mario formula in a 3D realm or 2D realm or whatever it may be. And then they basically kind of killed it. You know what I mean? Like, after that, there wasn't a Mario game for a long time. And then we had Super Mario Odyssey. Great. I liked Odyssey. It was my game of the year, 2017. And now here we are in 2022. When's the next Mario game coming out? It's like feast or famine with Nintendo sometimes. Sometimes they overload you with content of one type, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, whatever happened to that character? I don't know, right? Zelda. We had Breath of the Wild, right? And then we basically had a bunch of kind of re-releases and remakes for years and years and years. When the hell do we get Breath of the Wild 2, <laughs> right? Give me a new Zelda game. What's going on over there? What are they doing? Give me a new Mario Kart, for God's sakes. What is happening in Nintendo? Now that their thumbs up their butts over there, re-releasing freaking Nintendo 64 games to get you to spend more money on their stupid Nintendo Online rather than pumping out good new games. Nintendo, their bread and butter at Nintendo is pumping out good first-party titles. Where are they right now? Anyway, um, I'm pretty sure the Super Mario 3D World playthrough was a good one, but I can't, I seriously can't remember it. 
sucks. Um, then one of the one of the interesting things that I actually did earlier on in the year last year for my birthday, I did a special marathon called Birthday Blowout 2021, the Mario Classics Challenge Run. This actually was something that I had wanted to do for many many years. I'd always wanted to go back <clears throat> and play the classic Mario games, including not only Super Mario 1, but also the Lost Levels, which is the, the Japanese sequel, technically Super Mario Brothers 2 in Japan. Um, I was very excited to do this, and because I was on Twitch at the time, we were able to do a fun, interactive stream where people were wagering their channel points that they earned by watching the channel on challenges that I was performing during this this marathon event. Could Phil beat this stage within five lives? Could Phil beat it within 30 seconds? Could Phil do this? Could Phil do that? And man, it was actually a really fun challenge. It was. It was very exciting. It was one of the more unique things I ever did for DSP, for uh, the channel, I should say. And also, of course, for my Twitch streaming channel, Dark Side Phil. At the time, people said it was actually one of, if not the best thing I had ever done for my birthday. And people were saying, you've got to do more stuff like this more often. Can you do another one next month? I was like, all right, I don't know if we should do one, one a month. That seems excessive. But maybe, you know, once every two, three months, we could bring it back as a marathon event reward for hitting a sub goal or whatever. Okay? And then what happened? If you guys remember, by the end of April, Twitch kicked me out of the partner program for things I had done over 10 years before. I talked about this on yesterday's pre-stream podcast. I definitely don't want to go into to detail about it again. It's just going to upset me. So let's not talk that, about that again. But basically, because I was no longer in the Twitch partner program, I lost all the ability to use channel points. So all the people who'd watched my channel for years and years and earned those points, they were finger snapped away by a bunch of fucking corporate assholes. And so that was the end of that. I mean, if you think about it, the channel point system had kind of reinvigorated my channel content for a bit. When I was playing Call of Duty, we were doing these challenges. When I was doing Mario, we were doing these challenges. And it was adding a whole new aspect to my content um, that had not been present before. And then it all went away. And it pissed me off. All right, moving on. <clears throat> the next major playthrough of 2021 was Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection. Fuck. That game was crazy hard. Like, seriously. Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection was, by no exaggeration, one of the toughest video games I've ever played in my entire life. And that includes the classics like Ninja Gaiden on the NES. That game was literally designed as what they call a beginner's trap. You would go into areas having no idea what the hell was coming up. Dead. 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 Imagine if you woke up in the morning and your whole house was set with booby traps. Alright? And each time you run into a booby trap, you had to start back in bed. So you get up, you throw your covers off, immediately a bucket of electrified piss falls out of the sky, lands on you, and you die. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay? Alright, I respawn. So now you take your covers off. Here comes the electrified piss and you roll out of bed. Oh, you survive. Whew. Oh, man. Well, thank God. So you open up your front, your top drawer to put on your underwear. Oops, someone put dynamite in there. It explodes and your head pops off your body. And now you're back in bed. Oh, you got to open your sheet. Oh, here comes the electrified piss. Roll off the bed. Oh, you got to open up. Grab your underwear. Shut the drawer real quick. Put your underwear on. The, the dresser explodes, but now you don't die. So then you open up your door and a machete-wielding maniac stabs you. 
<laughs> like this is this is exactly this is that's Ghost of Goblin's resurrection. Like every little thing in the game that seems innocuous can kill you, and there's a million of these things in every single stage. Right? That's the game. It's insane how hard the game is, and you gotta try and try and try and try. And every time you think you made a little bit more progress, you start fucking back at the beginning. Man, it was tough. Definitely one of the most challenging uh, gameplay experiences of my life. I got to the very end and I had to change the difficulty down for one segment so that I could actually beat the game. Because it was so effing hard. If I had played some This game, give me some perspective. Okay? It's designed to be a classic side-scrolling action game. There were some days that I would stream an entire three-hour stream of gameplay and I did not make any progress. None. Not to say that I didn't see more of the stage, I didn't understand more of what was coming, but I didn't even beat one stage in three hours. It's insane. It was still fun, don't get me wrong, but man, it was grueling. That was like one of the most grueling and stressful experiences, and I actually knew no matter what else came in 2021... I had already passed the most stressful game of the year. There was no way there was going to be another stressful game. Of the year. And it's true. Everything else this, the year was like child's play compared to fucking Ghost of Goblins Resurrection. So. Uh, the next major playthrough of the year was Resident Evil Village. Uh, and at the time, I basically felt that was by far the best game of the year. First of all, one of the more lengthy Resident Evil games. It was a 17-hour long playthrough for me. And... The fact that the game had a variety of locations, great graphics on the PlayStation 5, um, just a lot of new things to it that I really enjoyed. Um, I thought it was definitely, at that point, one of the best playthroughs not only of the year, but it was actually one of my favorite survival horror playthroughs that I had ever done because I really felt like this was how you bring Resident Evil to a modern audience. A variety of different uh, creatures. rather than You know, classic Resident Evil games, okay, there's 7,000 zombies and then there's a few mutations. And this one, it was like, my God, they threw everything but the kitchen sink at you. You had fucking werewolves, vampires, demons, mutations, ghosts. Okay, there weren't really ghosts, but you thought there were. Like, it was pretty crazy. I really liked the variety of stuff. So that definitely, that was one of my favorite playthroughs of 2021. Um, although admittedly, <clears throat> all right, admittedly, I'm disappointed with the playthrough. I am. And you might say, well, why? If it's one of your favorite games of the year and you turn, the playthrough was, it turned out well. And yeah, by the way, it was actually one of the more supportive playthroughs that I had of the entire year. Here's why I'm disappointed with the playthrough, okay? Because I, I'm going to say, I'm going to admit this, I was stupid. I was very stubborn. And even though at this point when the game came out, I had been kicked out of the YouTube partner program, okay? The YouTube partner program, excuse me. I had been kicked out of the Twitch partner program. All right, I was stubborn and I wanted to still try to stay on Twitch. I don't know why I thought it was going to work. I mean, it was really stupid. I thought that I was going to be able to make a living just on tips. No, no cheering, no subs, nothing, no gifted subs, just tips. Okay, that was honestly it was stupid. But I really didn't want to give up on a community that I had built up for over five years at that point. Um, and I was very disappointed that it looked like I was going to have to. And I remember doing the full playthrough. In 720p, okay, which I regret it now because, man, I was playing on PS5 at 720p. I could have shown you guys the incredible detail of that game. The graphics were very, very good. 
including full 60 frames uh, 1080p on the PS5, and I only did it at 720p, okay? Excuse me. <clears throat> In addition, I actually got more attention on my Twitch channel as a result of playing that game because I showed up in Twitch search and basically I got discovered by like hundreds of new people and they were very excited to check out my stuff and then right after that I decided I was going to move over to YouTube. <laughs> so it was like, oh, it's like the last hurrah for Twitch, this big ass, uh, <clears throat> you know, this big ass playthrough. It, it worked out really well. Everyone liked it, but I had to stream it at, and, and record it at a low resolution compared to what the game really deserved. And any kind of attention or growth that I got for that playthrough was basically negated because it was for Twitch. And then I left Twitch. I've, I should have definitely come over to YouTube earlier because then I could have played that game. And I feel like I would have actually initially gotten a big boost of members and a big boost of attention here to build up DSP Gaming more. And I basically threw all that away trying to hold out and stay on Twitch. Okay. So. <clears throat> let's continue. Oops. What the hell did I just do? How did I... I think I accidentally zoomed in. No, that's not what I wanted to do. Uh. Well, I guess it kind of fixed it. But not really. Oh, okay. Okay, I think that fixed it. I misclicked on my laptop. It screwed stuff up. Okay, continuing on. The next major playthrough of 2021 was Returnal. Now, for those of you who watched the playthrough, you know my opinion on this. It started off strong. It started off actually being a really unique and fun game. By the time I was about halfway through Returnal, I wanted to rip my hair out of my fucking head because they designed the game in such an asinine way that you had to have, like, no exaggeration, three or more hours to play it to even make any advancement in the game. Because you had to, at one point, start from the beginning and pass through all of these stages to even get to new content. There were no checkpoints, no saving, and... Unlike other roguelike or roguelite games, basically you almost never unlocked something permanently. It was incredibly rare in the game playthrough when you unlocked something that stuck. Unlike other roguelikes, this one was like, you just gotta do it all in one run. Oh well, if you die, you fucking wasted all of your time. And that sucks. When you're a gamer, alright, and you are not someone who is afforded a ton of time to play what if you're someone who has a very busy job or a very busy life and maybe you get an hour or two to play games a day if that oh i want to play returnal well you can't what do you mean well you could play it but you won't ever get anywhere why because the game fucking makes you play three four hours to beat a bunch of stages back to back in order to make any progress what yeah that's returnal in a nutshell like it literally was one of the worst designed games I had played at that time. Now the thing is, it was the first roguelike or roguelite game I had ever played, so I didn't really understand how the formula worked at that time. Then when I played other roguelike games during the course of the year, I got it, and man, did they ever show up that Returnal was a poorly designed game. Like seriously, like I was like, oh, now I see better, you see? So Returnal, by the way, it wasn't a bad playthrough. It ended up about being 28 hours long. But if they had actually designed it better, it probably would have been a 10-hour long playthrough. <laughs> so there you go. New Replicant. This was an interesting playthrough. 38 hours long. A game that's basically the predecessor to Nier Automata. Before I had played Nier Automata, I had played a Nier game before. But it was a Drakengard game, wasn't it? Like Drakengard 3 or something like that. And I never beat it. Um... So, Nier Automata, 
after having done a full-on playthrough of that game uh, the year before, it was very exciting to finally go through and actually play New Replicant. It was a good game. It was absolutely it was a good game. Challenging, yes. A little bit outdated compared to Nier Automata. I think Nier Automata obviously is a slightly better game, but that's because it came out later. Um, but I'm very happy that I played it. And it was a really cool way to, to kind of lead into understanding Nier Automata more. Although, admittedly, I wish that there was more of a bridge. And what I mean by that is when you play Nier Replicant, it's a great game. But, man, I wish that there was more of a connection between what happens in Replicant and, and Automata. Because there's a huge time gap there. And in Automata, basically, you have to read, like, like logs and shit. And listen to audio logs to try to understand what happened between the two games. When it would have been nice to just have that happen. I, I even said... It would have been interesting for me if they made another game between the two to bridge the gap, to explain some of the occurrences that happened between Replicant and Automata. I think that could actually be a really successful game. But anyway, I really enjoyed playing it. Um, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition Trilogy. Who remembers that? That was an interesting playthrough. First of all, I started off with Mass Effect 1, which is still to this day, it's still my favorite Mass Effect game of all time. I think Mass Effect 1 was actually the best one because it actually felt like interactive Star Trek with action. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was its own universe, but it kind of had the feeling of Star Trek, dramatic plot, interesting races of alien characters that you got to know their culture and their backstories and things, uh, interesting dialogue trees that you could choose, and it's almost like a choose-your-own-adventure game in that way where you could change different relationships and things based on the choices you make. In fact, you could actually do things in a different order in the game depending on what you want to do. Um, at the time, the graphics were great. Uh, and actually has RPG elements, which I really like. Um, so I'm actually very happy that I got to do yet another playthrough, because this was my third playthrough of Mass Effect 1, I think, for the internet since I became a content creator. I really enjoyed doing that. Um, then there was Divinity Original Sin 2. Alright, in a nutshell, guys, in a nutshell... I don't feel that Divinity Original Sin 2 is a bad game. I want to clear the air here. I actually feel that it's quite a fine game. Um, and if you're someone who absolutely likes to immerse yourself in an RPG universe for an extended period of time, it's probably one of the best RPGs in the last decade. But the game basically is incredibly slow-paced and incredibly time-consuming and demanding. Those are two factors that are a recipe for disaster when it comes to my streams, right? Any game that's insanely lengthy usually takes months for me to get through and beat. And if I'm not making any progress in them, basically engagement gets lost. People don't, oh, that game, he's still playing it? Nah, I'm going to skip it. You know, if some games, if I don't play them within two, three weeks of their release, a lot of people lose interest. But a game like that where the game is so effing long, people told me, yeah, minimum of like 100 hours to beat it. It's like... How will I ever beat it, right? And the thing was, over the course of the playthrough, I actually gained a lot more uh, respect for the game engine. As I leveled up, my characters got more abilities and understood more how the game works. Um, and like I said, if this was a game that... This, if this was the only game, or maybe I was only playing two games at a time, and this was a game that I was focusing on tremendously, then maybe after playing it for like a solid month and making 80 hours of progress, I would have loved it. But for me, it was like, okay, I'm playing it like twice a week, a couple hours... And it's really not doing well viewers-wise or follower-wise. People are already bored with it. I'm struggling with the game engine. My god, I played it for two weeks and I feel like I made zero progress in this fucking game. It just didn't work. Seriously, it just didn't work 
as a playthrough for my stream. So after about 60 hours of gameplay, I put it on indefinite hiatus. And by the way, no one really ever asked for it to come back besides people trying to josh me and troll me. No one cared that I put that playthrough on hiatus at all. They were like, meh, it's fine. <laughs> to which I was like, okay, good. Because I don't want to play it anymore anyway. I was incredibly bored with it. Uh, new Pokemon Snap. Admittedly, New Pokemon Snap was not the most riveting game. In fact, I would even go off as far to say it's a little boring. There's not much to it. All you do is go around taking pictures of Pokemon. There's a little bit of incentive to replay the stages because when you do, new Pokemon may show up in different situations. You can get better shots of them. What I would say is Pokemon Snap and new Pokemon Snap, the ultimate chill game experiences, and what I mean by that is no pressure to perform, right? It's fun to just mess around with it. Um, and take some fun pictures of Pokemon and play it at your own pace and casually get through it. But man, it's, there's just not a lot of meat to it. You know, it's one of the lighter games. It's still an entertaining game. And I know some people actually told me they found it as one of my better playthroughs of the year because it really was an opportunity to just kind of chill and relax with people. But at the very same time, um, it just wasn't super exciting. You know what I mean? Um, Virtual Fighter 5 Ultimate Showdown. The reason I played this is because it was a re-release on the PlayStation 5. For people who had PS Plus, it was free. I had actually never played... Um, I had actually never played Virtual Fighter Five before. I had seen it in arcades back in the day in the 2000s. I knew people who played and loved it. I had never played it at all. So it was my first exposure to the Virtual Fighter franchise competitively. I actually really enjoyed it. The problem being is that after playing it for about 10 hours, meaning I played through with several characters, was playing online and stuff... I got to a point where I felt like I would have had to sink in a significant more amount of time, like not one or two sessions a week, but like four or five sessions a week, playing online, learning the character matchups, learning the priorities, learning the very strict timing windows to do some of the more very difficult high-end combos and techniques in order to make any progress with the game. And because of that, because I'm a variety streamer, and because I really feel like, sadly, I, I just didn't have that kind of time, I kind of gave up on the game. The weirdest part about this, later on in the year, the game came back as part of Lost Judgment. So because I had played Virtua Fighter 5 earlier in the year, when I played Lost Judgment, I absolutely dominated the part of the game where you were in an eSports e club playing Virtua Fighter 5. Go figure. <laughs> uh, then we had Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, which was a PS5, one of the big PS5 exclusives for the year. Admittedly, I had mixed feelings about the game. I actually did enjoy it overall and thought that it was quite a good game. Um, but I basically kind of felt like for a game that was meant to be an exclusive for PlayStation 5, that probably should have been a game that should have sold the system. I felt like the game kind of fizzled out and died after about halfway through. Like, they kind of ran out of ideas. Um, I think it's actually one of the best-looking playthroughs that I did in 2021. Graphically, the game was very nice. The portals, when you're going between dimensions, seamlessly going through with no loading and stuff. Pretty outstanding in that regard. And yeah, a lot of the weapons are fun and everything. But at the same time, it's just another Ratchet & Clank game by the end of the day. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like you're playing an older Ratchet & Clank with better graphics. It doesn't really feel like there's much innovation or anything there. So, MLB The Show 21. Road to the Show playthrough. This is where you play through your career mode, you create a character, and basically you play through the game um, trying to build yourself up from like the independent circuit uh, all the way, not independent, but what do they call minor leagues? Yeah, the minor leagues, and build yourself all the way up to the majors. 
Again, I'll be honest with you guys. I know that this was a fun and chill playthrough that lasted over 20 hours. I don't remember it at all. It was just something that, you know, was kind of like a, a, a time filler that balanced out with other stuff going on at the time. It was definitely a, a chill playthrough that we did at night. But it's just, it was more about interaction with you guys than the game. And I seriously don't even remember if the game was any good or not. <laughs> That's the truth. Mario Golf Super Rush Adventure. Um, a game that really I wasn't expecting much out of to be a very good game. Um, started off strong. And then oddly about halfway through it, the game was so weird. It confused me because it just didn't have a lot of content. I actually beat the entirety of the, the campaign and everything in 14 hours. Um, and for a Nintendo first party title, I actually felt like it should have had way more content to it and it didn't. Um, there were actually parts of the game that were never explained. Like, there's this whole mechanic where you need to try to shoot your balls through these, like, tornadoes so they can jump up uh, platforms and stuff. And it doesn't really explain that. So you gotta kind of figure it out for yourself, and it's frustrating. The game also abruptly ends out of nowhere and doesn't even play through all the courses. It's a really weird game. Um, I didn't dislike it. I actually thought it was, it was interesting and different, but it just didn't feel like it was finished to me, which is rare for a... Uh, Rare for a Nintendo first-party title. Um, Danganronpa V3 Killing Harmony. This was a playthrough that had actually started way back when in March and was played all the way through March, April, May, and I believe the playthrough actually completed in June. No, July. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, that playthrough lasted forever. Um, so, that is interesting. Um... That is interesting to me. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how you guys thought about the playthrough. Personally, I thought the plot was good. But man, those games are so drawn out. And that was the longest Danganronpa game of all time. That one was 65 hours. 65 hours. <laughs> Yikes. I enjoyed it, but man, it took so long to get through. Again, this was one of the playthroughs that it's just... You're, you're playing it for 3-4 months... People lose interest. So by the time that I had finally beaten it, it was like, oh my god, thank god it's finally over. At the same time, I kind of feel like if I had played it more rapidly, I would have liked it more. I did like it, but I feel like if I had played it more rapidly, I would have liked it more. This, I have to be honest with you guys, alright? <clears throat> These lengthy-ass playthroughs, a lot of the times, I feel like they don't do the games justice, alright? Because when I take two, three months to beat a game, you're not really getting enough of the game fast enough or delivery of the game. You know what I mean? Like, when you play a good game, you want to be immersed in it. I'm a variety streamer. I can't play the same game 12 hours a week because it's a 60, 70-hour game. I can't play it 12 hours a week so I can beat it in two months. You know what I'm saying? That's a lot of gameplay of the same game. People get bored. And I really enjoyed it, but man, I really wish that, I don't know, that maybe it was a new release and I, I focused more on it because the way that I played it only twice a week, I barely made any progress. That's what took so long. By the time it finished, it felt more of a relief to finish the game to actually say, oh, thank God, this what an amazing ending. You know what I'm saying? And I don't really like that. I like to, to basically feel feel like I'm enjoying the game at a good rapid pace. I wasn't. The Xbox Series X. Holy crap, this was awesome. A fan donated to me an Xbox Series X in August. And so I did a big premiere coverage. And in fact, in fact what you're going to see here is that there was a lot of different things that I did under Game Pass at that time that was interesting. Games like Halo the Master Chief Collection, um... As well as playthroughs like The Medium, Last Stop, 12 Minutes, right? All those games were played under Game Pass at the time. 
And admittedly, I feel like when I got my Xbox Series X, this changed everything. If I didn't get a Series X in 2021, the second half of the year may have been a lot more slow, boring, and not that interesting at all because I only had a PlayStation 5 and my Xbox One launch edition wasn't good enough really to be running new games that well. And I feel like I would have been very limited with what I did. Because I got the Series X, it blew the whole landscape open, and now I'm playing the new hot games on PS5, the new hot games on Xbox Series X, all this shit under Game Pass. It basically filled out the rest of my year. And thank you so, so, so very much to the person who donated it. You have no idea. It helped tremendously, really. Now, one playthrough that I feel was a bad idea in 2021, I played Mass Effect 3 Legendary Edition. The reason I played it is because I never replayed it after my original playthrough from when the game was a new release way back when. I had already played Mass Effect 2 a year prior. So after I beat Mass Effect 1 in the Legendary Edition trilogy, I didn't want to play 2 again. I had just beaten it the year before. But people were like, oh, you should play 3. I haven't played that since launch. But man, what ended up happening was exactly the, the opposite of the desired uh, effect. I realized how bad it is. Mass Effect 3 is actually the worst game in the original Mass Effect trilogy by a mile it's boring the gameplay is grindy and action-based there's little to no rpg elements at all the writing is bad the ending is bad bad <laughs> and so replaying it especially the time that i was replaying it there were other releases coming out and here i am playing mass effect 3 people are like what are you doing so it was just a bad choice i shouldn't have played it the medium all right a cute little game from Bloober Team, but man, it is just way too short. I liked the mechanics of being in two worlds at once and having puzzles where you do something in one world that affects the other, but it was just such a short experience. And by the way, the ending sucked ass and had a cliffhanger ending with no definitive ending of what really happened. Um, so I thought it was good as a Game Pass game. If I actually had to buy the medium, I probably wouldn't have liked it. Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. This was kind of a sad case. Came out in August. But it came out at the same time that I got my Xbox Series X and all this possibility opened up now um, for me to play games under Game Pass. So the attitude was, oh, play Skyward Sword. I started playing it. Then the Xbox showed up and people were like, ah, fuck that shit. Go play games on Game Pass because those are way more interesting. Um, and admittedly, they were. Not to say that, that Skyward Sword isn't a, is a bad game. It's not. I actually like Skyward Sword and I was really much, in, I was enjoying playing this new version Um because basically it took away all the motion controls. The game actually controlled better without the motion controls, for sure. But in reality, that playthrough was hampered down because people wanted to see new stuff under Game Pass. So I ended up stopping it and never continuing it. Last stop, a game that I never would have touched if I didn't have an Xbox Series X and Game Pass, ended up being one of the weirdest, most quirky narrative-based games I've ever played to this day. The ending was fucking weird, man. 12 minutes. Unique game, interesting game, one of the most weird and fucked up plots I've ever seen in a game, but very short, being in like, you know, uh, about six hours, and because of that, doesn't really, once you've seen the, the alternate scenarios of the game, there's not a lot of replayability either, so kind of a mix for me, I did enjoy it though, I actually thought it was one of the most unique game experiences of 2021, I just wish that there was more to it, um, of course, I feel that likely one of the biggest, longest-running, and most entertaining playthroughs for all of us in 2021 was Fallout New Vegas. Going back to this game, and for the first time ever, playing it from start to finish with all the DLCs included, as an interactive stream, with all of your input, 
and everything. That was like the ultimate summer long chill stream. And I tell you guys, every summer, usually there's a theme or there's a game that kind of dominates each summer. The summer of judgment, right? This was definitely the summer of Fallout. It was so much fun replaying Fallout New Vegas with all of you guys. Super fun. I'm so glad I did it. And then what happens? They fucking re-release at 60 frames per second. Like a month after I beat it. Maybe one day I'll go back and play it again, but no time soon. Okay. Uh, the Ghost of Tsushima DLC, Iki Island, was alright. Wasn't great, wasn't bad. I felt that it was a good thing for people who actually like the game, but at the very same time, it was more of the same, with a few variations here or there. So if you liked Ghost of Tsushima, it's just more good stuff with better graphics if you're playing it on PS5, but not really much to talk about. Tormented Souls. Really cool surprise playthrough that I did out of nowhere. A game that's a total throwback to the old school tank controls, fixed camera survival horror games of the 1990s, a la Resident Evil or Silent Hill. I really enjoyed it way more than I really thought I ever would or had any right to. It was so good because I like that classic style of game because I grew up playing it. The plot's terrible, makes absolutely no sense, but man, it was a fun ride. Psychonauts 2. A game that was shockingly good. I never expected Psychonauts 2 to be anywhere near as good as it was. It blew me away. The graphics were great on the Xbox Series X. Really great and interesting, funny writing. An open world that was quirky and differentiated depending what brain you were going inside of. Every world was completely different. Uh, puzzles were ingenious and fun. And it was just... Obviously, it was. I'm going to tell you, it was one of my favorite games of the year and one of my favorite playthroughs of the year, and no one played it. The game sold insanely poorly. It didn't even make like the top 10 games of that month, even though it was on Game Pass. The game got zero press. The game got zero marketing, and no one bought it or played it. What a shame, because it actually is, in my opinion, such an outstanding game. Life is Strange True Colors. Now, here's a case of a series that completely went in the wrong direction, course corrected, and went back to greatness, in my opinion. The original Life is Strange game I liked because of its quirky writing, interesting, unique characters superpowers that were actually quite interesting and this plot line of you didn't know what was going to happen could could things be changed for the better or worse there was dramatic turns and things it was a really well done game then they made like two more games that sucked ass because the writers were just idiots who either made it incredibly boring or incredibly implausible trying to shove liberal plot lines down your throat okay live is strange true colors not to say that there's not liberal plot lines in this i mean the main character is kind of bisexual and one of the main choices is, oh, do you like this guy or do you like this girl? Who gives a fuck, right? But, refreshing, interesting. The plot is good. It actually has an entire stage of the game that acts like a classic turn-based RPG in Life is Strange. Um, colorful, interesting characters, meaningful choices, and a plot that keeps you guessing what's going on, much like the plot of the original Life is Strange. Um, it's actually the best Life is Strange game since the first game. Uh, Deathloop. In a nutshell, Deathloop was a fine game. Not great, not bad in my opinion. It was a good outing for Arcane that combined everything that they had basically learned up to that point in game development, including all of the mechanics and things from games like Prey and the, and the uh, Dishonored series. But honestly, in my opinion, it wasn't a lot to write home about, except that all the game developers said it was game of the year. Excuse me. All the game journalists, I misspoke, said it was game of the year. I don't know why. I just thought it was okay. 
Cana Bridge of Spirits. Now, here was a cute little game made by an indie studio, PS5 exclusive, gorgeous graphics, really interesting game mechanics the further in you get. And actually, in my opinion, one of my favorite playthroughs of the year, although it didn't really resonate with my audience for some odd reason. I don't know why, but yeah, a lot of people just didn't like it. I don't know why. I thought it was great. Maybe it's one of those games that's just better to play than watch, but I actually really enjoyed it um, while a lot of people kind of criticized it. Microsoft Flight Simulator, another game I never would have played if I didn't have an Xbox Series X. It ended up being, in my opinion, uh, one of the chillest playthroughs I've done in many years. It ended up being some really cool content because we were flying all around the world and we were learning things about the places that I was flying due to people coming into the streams and giving all kinds of interesting ge uh, geography facts and stuff. It was really neat. It was ultimate chill. We, we went to theme parks. We saw monuments. We saw skyscrapers and major cities all around the world. We learned about the cultures all around the world. Actually, one of my by far, Microsoft Flight Simulator, one of my favorite playthroughs of 2021. If you didn't check out any of that content, you should give it a look. You'll you just sit back, relax, have a drink, and just chill with us. You're going to have a blast watching that content because it's so, it's so relaxing and fun. Hades. Now, everyone knows my feelings about Hades. I thought, actually, it blew me away. It was one of my favorite games of a long time, and Hades does things right in the roguelike formula where Returnal did things so very wrong. This game shows you how to do it. If you're going to play and you die, it's okay. You're going to earn something that sticks with you so you feel like you didn't waste your time. Oh, by the way, every time you die, there's more plot that unfolds. Characters have unique dialogue. It feels like the game doesn't disrespect you and waste anything you're doing. Everything you're doing is building up for progress. That's how a roguelike should be done. That's what Hades was all about. By the way, it had great visuals, great, great music, great plot. The builds that you could do are different and varied and very, very fun. Super fun playthrough. Hades, two thumbs up. Outstanding game. Back for Blood. I think a lot of people also know my feelings about this one. A game that I was shocked that there was so much content in it. But at the very same time, I don't feel like it ever reaches the greatness of the original Left 4 Dead games. That's it in a nutshell. Alan Wake Remastered. Fun playthrough. Only the second time that I had ever played Alan Wake since its originations way back when, 10 years ago. And it was very fun during October to play through the game for Halloween month. It was a cool horror-themed playthrough that I did then. Um, but admittedly, the game's not riveting. Uh, when you get about halfway through, you realize it's all kind of the same combat over and over. Um, and with the DLCs, they're fun. But at the very same time, by the end, you kind of get frustrated because they just throw everything but the kitchen sink at you. Insane gauntlets of enemies. And at the very same time, the game never really has a definitive ending. Um, which is disappointing because you want a definitive ending. You want an answer about what happened to Alan. But then, since the meantime, since I played this game, they announced that they're making a sequel. So I guess we're going to get our answers. Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania. Holy shit. A game that drove me absolutely nuts. One of the most difficult throwback games that I've played in a very long time. Uh, I enjoyed playing it, but man, did it drive me bonkers trying to master those controls. People really liked seeing me rage. It was basically mo one of the most rage-inducing playthroughs of the year, along with Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection. Um, and then, of course, we had the Halloween Marathon, which was very fun. One of the cool playthroughs that came out of the Halloween Marathon was Visage. This was a game that many years ago I had actually played during a previous Halloween Marathon in Early Access. Okay, and when I played it in early access, I didn't really understand the game that much. Probably because it was early access, there wasn't really a lot of guidance on what to do. So it's a lot of wandering in circles, not knowing what triggers what and shit like that. But when I finally played Visage on the Xbox Series X, here we are years later, 
there's an understanding of what to do to get the meaningful content out of the game. And this time around, I liked it so much, I ended up doing a full playthrough of it. Ladies and gentlemen, Visage is one of my favorite survival horror games of all time. And I'm not just saying that lightly. I actually feel that game is incredibly well designed to be scary. The ghosts in that game, the way they move, the way they interact with you, it's creepy as fuck. I got goosebumps multiple times playing the game. Um, I say give it a shot. If you're a true buff of survival horror, I think you're really going to like what they did with Visage. Especially if you're playing it on a high-end PC or the Xbox Series X where you get the full gamma of what the visuals and the audio of the game can do. I really... It creeped me the shit... It creeped the shit out of me. And I love it. I, I seriously can't praise this game enough. And the thing is, this was not a new release for 2021. So this isn't one that would be in, like, my Game of the Year awards. I gotta give it this game credit. You guys should absolutely check out Visage if you haven't yet and you like survival horror. It's so good. Okay? Far Cry 6. This is the kind of game where I feel like if you're just going for a wild ride and you want to unplug your serious meter in your head for a while, you'll enjoy it. It's the same formula as the other Far Cry games with well-needed well tweaks, okay? There's not as much grinding in Far Cry 6 as there was in, in previous Far Cry games. There's not as much repetition, all right? The plot. Some of the characters are fun. Some are insanely obnoxious, in my opinion. Um, It's a fun little game. It's not necessarily uh, the best in the franchise. It's also not the worst. Uh, but I actually had a great time with it. I'm glad that I played it. And like I said, if you like action-based stuff, open-world exploration... They did a good job with it and improved upon many of the previous installments. The Dark Pictures Anthology, House of Ashes. Personally, I really liked this game. It's one of these choose-your-own-adventure horror games. However, I actually felt that last year's Little Hope was better. A lot of people disagreed with me. I think they liked this better because it was more like a, a horror action movie than an actual horror game. Um, <clears throat> but I definitely liked it. Um... And, uh, you know, for horror, especially because, again, it came out right before Halloween, perfect timing. Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, one of the most shockingly good games of 2021. No one expected this game to be good. The game got little to no marketing, and the little bit of the game that was shown before it released was not a good representation of what the game actually was. So by the time it came out, everyone was like, meh. I, even me, I was like, meh, I'm not going to play it. And then people came out and was like, oh my god, it's so good. It's, a, it's ridiculously good. It's polished. It's fun. It has high production value. The dialogue is outstanding. The plot is good. There's amazing character development. Ladies and gentlemen, I cried playing Guardians of the Galaxy. It was that well written. It's by far one of the best games of 2021 and one of the most shockingly good games that I've played in a long time because no one expected it to actually be good and it actually is really good. Okay? Um, Metroid Dread. Very good game. Probably one of the best side-scrolling Metroids of all time. I'm not so sure that I would say that it's better than, like, Super Metroid. But definitely a great outing. A lot of people th think it is the best Metroid game of all time. The thing is, there's not much to say about it. Because it's basically Metroid for a modern audience. Better graphics. More modernized mechanics. The one annoying thing, definitely those hunter robots that are trying to track you down. I forgot what they call the Emmys or whatever. They're super annoying because you can't kill them nor in a traditional way. You have to find, basically, a puzzle solution to kill each one. Um... Although, by the end of the game, it's kind of cre creative and unique and interesting to figure out how to kill these things. Um, I liked it. I definitely liked Metroid Dread. Um, Forza Horizon 5, definitely the best driving game of the year. And, uh, in my opinion, some of the best visuals you'll see in the game anytime soon on a console. Um, unique, with its open-world aspect, how you drive around everywhere you go on the map. There's something new to do, different challenges, different fun things. 
and pretty much an ultimate chill playthrough. And what I mean by that is it's not meant to be serious. There's not necessarily big plot developments every time you play it. Even the, the story missions that have plot aren't really serious. It's more like, oh, let's mess around with cars and just have a chill time today. If you treat it like that, you'll really like the game. Halo Infinite. I think you guys know how much I like Halo Infinite to the point where I was shocked that the game is as good as it was, right? Um, not only did the multiplayer release early, a month earlier than it was supposed to release, and end up being some of the best first-person shooter multiplayer that I have played in years. It was a throwback to the classic Halo combined with modernizations that make it feel like a much better game. Man, Halo Infinite multiplayer is still is so good. The only shortcoming is that, man, they don't have enough game modes and maps yet. You know, it's free. Everyone got it for free. So you can't complain. You didn't pay for it. At the very same time, man, they definitely need to start adding new content because it's been out for over a month now and it starts to get stale when it's the same thing over and over and over. But I really like it. I'm digging it. Campaign, wow. They improved it. That's all I'm going to say. One of the most improved campaigns in a first-person shooter I've ever seen in my life. They really had great ideas. There's parts that play like old Halo and there's parts that play like a totally new game. Really good. Um, outside of that, there were a few... Other random playthroughs during the year. For example, as you know, I played Street Fighter every single Friday night. That was a staple of the of every week. Uh, there was obviously the Grand Theft Auto Definitive Edition Trilogy. And you know my thoughts on that. I, I actually enjoyed playing it. YouTuber's Life too. I'm I, I actually like, but I didn't really get enough time to play it. Um, Condemned Criminal Origins I played on Halloween. I'd like to get a chance to go back to that. And it looks like we're going to be doing that within the next one to two weeks. Um, some betas that I played, like the Call of Duty Vanguard beta that convinced me to never play the game because it sucked. I played Fall Guys for the last time. I think it was in September. And as, although I really enjoy that game, uh, sadly, I felt like it was just trying to move on from it because there really wasn't much going on in it. Um, yeah. Boy, 2021 was a very eventful year for games. And like, if, the one thing that stands out to me about all the stuff that I just told you guys is that most of the games that I just told you guys about all right, that I felt were good, we're in the second half of the year. You notice that? Most of the games that I talked about are all games from the second half. And that was the weird thing about 2021 is like the first half of the year outside of Resident Evil Village really felt like a bust. It felt like a, a year where things just didn't go so well. And it, was, it looked like it was going to be one of the most deflating years for games. And then all of a sudden... The second half of the year was like overload of great games. It really was. Um, so that was the year that was. Overall, in 2021, some of the standout playthroughs, Visage, holy shit, Fallout New Vegas, wow, Microsoft Flight Simulator. Like those are some of the three that are actually stuck out in my mind that would not be in a Game of the Year Awards countdown. But man, I loved those games. And if you didn't check out those playthroughs, if you weren't paying attention during that time frame when I was playing those games... I urge you to give them a look here on DSP Gaming. I think you're going to like what you see. Okay? All right, guys. That's it for the pre-stream podcast. We just have some brief shout-outs to do. And then we can actually get started with my Game of the Year Awards countdown. Okay? So let's do some quick shout-outs here. <clears throat> it looks like Aqua Deer did a super chat. It says, if Phil's having the most amazing day, the worst thing that happened that day is he stubbed his toe. He'll complain about how much it sucks. What? I have no idea what you're talking about. Anso Kamaru. 
Hope to their membership for five months and enjoy today, brother. Thank you very much, Ansel Kamaru, for the ongoing support. I appreciate that. And Kevin Bernstein did a super chat, and he says, let's hype the post-judgment and play some real games. <laughs> All righty then, Kevin. All right. And guys, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. We don't have any other contributions. Zero tips to shout out. Uh, I think what it is is today is a different kind of stream. And so unlike a normal stream where there's gameplay and stuff, there's I don't know how much interaction and or support we'll get. Hope we do get some support, obviously. It's a normal stream day for me. <laughs> so hopefully things go better. But anyway, that's it for the pre-stream podcast. That was kind of a quick recap of the year that was 2021 gaming-wise and my favorite playthroughs that were kind of hidden gems that definitely won't be in my countdowns, all right? All right, guys, thanks so very much. See you later. All right.